One of the most controversial topics in our culture today is the topic of transgenderism. There are multiple angles to this issue, from the medical perspective, to the ideological perspective, to the moral and practical perspectives. Today we're going to break down this subject and give our views on this recent development in our culture. Hey, I'm Bailey. I'm Michael. And I'm David. And welcome back to the Face in the Gates podcast. Today, we are talking about more culturally relevant stuff. Um, obviously, this has been a very um, hot topic as of late in our culture, uh, the whole transgender movement. Um, so, before we get into it... Um, before we get into any of the specific details, what do you guys think of this recent movement in our culture to push transgenderism into mass public appeal? I mean, when you look at culture, and it it depends on what you consider transgenderism. If you're considering someone pre-op, post-op, <laughs> culturally, or someone who takes a more maternal shape instead of a paternal or fraternal, however you want to say it. Uh, me, personally, I'll be 100% honest, I don't give a shit what people do. If you want to dress up and be a beautiful little girl, you, you do that. You want to be a manly man, you do that. I could give a fuck less because I'm more worried about my personal growth. And I think the biggest thing, just don't be a dick about it. Don't push your ideas onto someone and don't, let others push their ideas on you in a dickish way. It's kind of where just I, for, I stand. For clarification, um, when I say transgenderism, I mean like the fairly, I mean, it's, it's been around for a while, but it's gained a lot of popularity in recent years for people yeah. to identify as transgender or as the opposite sex or to, you know, whether that they're on, um, hormones or they go full on with surgery. That's kind of what I'm speaking to specifically within that okay. spectrum of things. <clears throat> what about you, David? Yeah. I mean, it's something that's been around essentially forever. I think uh, just with how our media and our, and everything, anything that's somewhat controversial gets pushed into limelight. So instead of just being, oh, this exists, it's, oh, this exists, here's an ad about it, here's an ad supporting it, and here's 50 people tweeting about the same thing. Um, I don't necessarily think it's more, but I think it's just between people taking that section of the market and pushing for it, algorithms feeding it, and kind of just more people acknowledging this is a thing kind of turns it into the kind of phenomena we've experienced. So you don't actually think that there's more 
transgender stuff happening now. No. Well, you think it's the same amount that's always been going on, but it's yeah, there's just, just more advocacy, and there's more advocacy towards it because I mean we've been <laughs> doing sexual reassignment surgeries for a long while. Actually, one guy that invented a method to uh, fix people's faces from World War One or World War Two. What did like the first, if I remember, the first reassignment surgery successfully? But it's something that's been around in various different cultures under different names and ideas. I think it's just been more advocated and due to the nature of how we consume stuff, more well known. Yeah, I have to uh, agree with that to a point because along with the internet, we're able to be more informed and to talk about different ideas more and it's not as so what I'm looking taboo of a topic anymore because I remember when we were children our first babysitter thought he was just a dude one of the dudes one of the bros he wasn't always a him and that was a lot more taboo and no one really talked about it but now everyone and their mother would be talking about it kind of right. deal. Right. And it, it's something that's been around in a, at least in modern pop culture since the sixties or so, if I remember correctly. So I agree that it has existed um, for a long time and, and we're going to go into numbers later. Um, but this is, this is why I disagree. I think that there is a massive number of people today who are, identifying as transgender that wouldn't have otherwise done it in the past. That's a hypothesis I have for later when we go into actual specific numbers. We can talk about that later. Um, But I I definitely think it is higher than it has been in the past. Now, from what I can identify, there's a few different oscillating groups that are involved in this movement. There are people with genuine gender dysphoria who actually generally kind of tend to stay out of the discussion. And then there are people who have rapid onset gender dysphoria who are a bit more vocal. And then there are the activists who oftentimes don't even have gender dysphoria at all. Um, And don't worry, I'll be defining these terms as we go. If people don't know what any of that means, it's fine. We're going to go into it. So I guess to clarify before we go on with the next question, you guys, and correct me if I'm wrong, your position is you don't really care, you do you. You're kind of libertarian on the issue. To a point, as long as, and I get a lot of flack for this, obviously, I don't think anyone should start life-changing decisions before they're old enough to make a life-changing decision. Like, I don't think people should get married at 18 I don't think people should go fight in a fucking war at 18. I'm not even necessarily one to say we should be able to buy guns at 18. Brain's not fully formed and you change so much. I don't think a 12 year old should go get fucking hormones to change their gender. Now, if they want to start identifying, I don't care, but I don't think you should make life changing decisions before you are 
of legally consenting sound mind. I also don't think the age of consent should necessarily be 18. But well, that's a whole different railroad we could go on. I think once you are a, a, an adult who can make your own consenting decisions, that's your choice. And I also, well, also don't ahead. think parents could, should be able to force anything on their children, whether it's that or really anything. Let the child fucking think for themselves. If that makes sense. Yeah. What about you, David? Similar. So, uh, what one question, like, what do you think about, uh, like puberty blockers since they are reversible and stuff like that, but it just stops the kind of physical and hormonal changes during puberty. We're actually going to talk a little bit about that later, but I mean, you can, you can go ahead and answer if you want. I'm honestly not super well versed in those. And my thing is how does it affect the neurological development? of a child, which I don't know. I need, need to better research those to be able to give you a more sound answer. So I'm not going to stick my head and go, Oh yeah, that sounds great. Or stick my headset. Sounds fucking awful. I don't know, but All right. I stick to the consent thing. Like that's kind of what laws are built around is the age of consent for the most part. I think, yeah. For a lot of this, I mean, obviously there's going to be areas where we disagree, but I think a lot of what I have for this episode, we will actually agree on a lot of it. But anyway, David, what is your, what is your thoughts? Pretty similar with anything drastic, unless, unlike rare cases where, say, it's either, say, like the child, say, like a teenager they have such severe dysphoria, it would, that they are, say, like, suicidal or stuff like that. Therapy hasn't worked. In those fringe cases, I would be like, let's do it. But for the most part, until the age of consent, it's dicey territory. Now, anything you do after that, cool. You do you, boo. Okay. Well, I'm obviously going to be very contrarian. But um, some people draw the line with regard to transgenderism kind of arbitrarily. So I kind kind of like what you guys were saying, like no sex reassignment surgery uh, or only after they're 18. Um, My position is that transgenderism is very simple. It is a mental disorder and should be treated as such. Transgender ideology, therefore, is not to be treated as it is some respectable field of philosophical thought. It is an ideology born of a mental disorder. But we as a society do not treat gender dysphoria like a, like a mental disorder. We treat it like it is some immutable aspect of someone's identity, like their race or sex. Yet the activists also say it can be changed if you go through with surgery. I think this is very ill thought out, and Christians should absolutely be opposed to it for reasons I'll discuss in this episode. Um, do you have any thoughts on that before I go into what is gender dysphoria or not really? No. Okay. You got anything, David? Nope. So what is gender dysphoria? Um, gender dysphoria is a real mental condition with a diagnostic record going back over a hundred years. It is the severe discomfort in one's biological sex 
and typically affects 0.01% of the population. Of these people, it predominantly affects males, roughly 1 in 10,000 from ages 2 to 4. Typically, and by typically, I mean over 70% of the time, these children outgrow this disorder so long as their delusions are not affirmed. Those who do not outgrow legitimate gender dysphoria are aware that there is a biological difference between male and female, which is opposed to the ideological narrative pushed by the activists. Now, <clears throat> therapists are required by law to practice something called affirmative care. Affirmative care in this particular case has only hurt people with gender dysphoria. Now, typically, gen uh, affirmative care is utilized to put a patient at ease so that they will feel comfortable and not be judged by what they're going to disclose with their therapist. The goal is to affirm the patient and to never judge them. This is a normal practice and in general is a good thing. However, when a therapist affirms the delusional beliefs, such as a man believing he's a woman trapped in a man's body, the therapist has failed. Because of the practice of affirmative care, by law, therapists aren't allowed to explore any alternative causes or diagnoses, uh, diagnoses if a patient truly believes they have gender dysphoria. Essentially, psychotherapists are forced to assume the conclusion of their patient and are bound to put a rubber stamp on the patient's self-diagnosis when it comes to the issue. But we don't tell schizophrenic people, hey, I know you have these voices in your head that are telling you to kill people. You should definitely listen to them. This, th th so why is this any different, essentially? Here, therapists are telling people, yes, you're a biological male who thinks you're a female. Uh, if, you, if you think that, then that's true. And then we rush them to be castrated because they're legally encouraged to do so. I'll uh, hand it over to you guys because I know I've covered a lot there. In reference to the affirmative care, I'm going to give a situation where something similar does happen with mental illness patients, and I'm going to pose a question. All right. I'm not sure if you guys have ever dealt with someone who deals with PTSD um, on a personal not, basis. Not personally, I don't or think. Or during an episode. Well, most of the time when the patient in question is in the episode, the safest thing to do is to first be there and make sure they're not in harm or going to harm themselves or others. In this case, this person thought they were still in war. And so when I got over there, the safest thing to do is to not fight against, but work through. Because if you fight against, that person's turned on you, and you are now the enemy. And so having to talk through the episode in the war, dealing with that trauma while waiting for further care. Because, so, for lack of essence, I had to play the part in that to get them the help that they needed. Mm -hmm. My question being, what would you say should be done in the case of a gen someone with extreme gender dysphoria? If you were 
in the shoes of say a therapist, which I know you're not. Right. But okay. This is kind of a thought experiment. Right. Of sorts. So <clears throat> I'm going to answer it in two parts for, cause I think you're trying to draw a connection between, um, affirmative care in the case of PTSD and in the case of gender dysphoria and trying to figure out like where the distinction is to be made between them. So with regard to PTSD, I, I don't know a ton about it, but from what I remember um, when I was studying psychology courses in college, yes, that is the way you treat PTSD. It's you kind of coach them out of their delusion. You don't outright tell that you don't you don't try and combat the delusion right then and there because that's just not going to work so in the case of ptsd um based on again the very limited information i know yes that is an acceptable way of treating someone but when it comes to gender dysphoria um it's yep it's gotten to a point and i've done a little bit of homework on this where therapists are encouraged to tell people uh, that to, to push them onto puberty blockers, hormones, and, and, you know, that's the path that they're encouraged. That is the designated treatment for gender dysphoria as it is right now. I don't think that's a good idea. I think that's destructive. What is the solution? The answer to that question is something I don't know, because I don't know what the actual way of treating it is. I just don't think that is the best option. I don't think we should be affirming these things. I do think, I mean, we'll, we'll talk about this later, but even in, there are a lot of places where quote unquote conversion therapy has been banned. And, and by what people mean by conversion therapy is if a man thinks he's a, a woman and you tell him he's a man, you're converting him. That's what they mean by conversion therapy. They try and lump it in with the conversion therapy of the 90s to scare people into thinking that it's something that it's not. So I maybe conversion therapy, maybe cognitive behavioral therapy. I don't know the exact solution. I think more research needs to be done on this topic instead of just pushing people towards the the medicalization solution take this drug get this surgery i don't think that's the solution hopefully that answers it your question okay i respect the honesty and not assuming an answer because it is it's something beyond what we know right and it and it's and kind of it, like the abortion thing too like in in certain cases of abortion well what do you do in this case like well I think more research needs to be done. And it's the same thing with this. Okay. Now, touching on that, do you think there's a time where those hormone blockers or hormones could be of use in, say, extreme fringe cases? Based on what I'm aware of, no. Okay. And uh, we'll, we'll go, because we're going to talk about the risks um, here in a little bit. And... Based on what I know, no. All right. You got anything, David? Mm, no, but essentially, well, essentially, Bailey, you're saying you would like, before, say, like a medical option, you would like a more therapy option until those resources are exhausted, at least. I think that would definitely be better than what we have right now. 
I don't know. Like I said, I don't know the. It's like asking a doctor, yeah. how do you cure cancer? It's like, well, I don't know. We don't have a cure for cancer right now. So I don't know the actual solution. But and then, well, and we, we like need to do one, more. It's like, what can which cancer? <clears throat> There's I yeah. Mean, and as I said, it's the human mind. We don't know much about it. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, basically, I mean, that, that would be pretty accurate. I would say, like, definitely some kind of behavior therapy or s some kind of cognitive therapy that will help this person adjust. And I don't, I don't know, like I said, I don't know what the solution is. Um, I just don't think that putting them on puberty blockers and hormones and telling them to go cut off parts of their body is the, the route we should be taking. Yeah. Well, and, and also one last thing, do you think it, because as we know, our mental health system is, well, has been in shambles forever. Do you think that's part of the reason why, at least in the research you've done, it seems to be the most chosen option is to basically send them from therapist straight to, say, a doctor? Um, I'm going to rephrase your question just to make sure I know what you're talking about. Like, are you saying, like... Do I think it's because people have, like, because mental health is so low that they're choosing to go through with well, these our, procedures? Well, our mental health system is so kind of broken and messed up that instead of actually running through options, it's pushed straight to, say, a doctor to prescribe these medicines and perform these surgeries. Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, obviously there's some inevitable dysfunction within that system. Um, this is a case in point, prime example of that. I don't know, um, enough to say like what exactly we could do to fix that process or that system. But obviously for starters, not assuming the conclusion of okay. a patient. So, all right. Um, did you guys have anything else or, or should we go into the next, next point? Oh, no, but. I do think it is a good, it was good to bring up the issue of the mental health sphere in America. Mm -hmm. It's fucked. So, um, we've talked about what gender dysphoria is. What is rapid onset gender dysphoria? Cause that's technically a different thing. So as I alluded to earlier, um, a new condition has developed in recent years, which is rapid onset gender dysphoria. This affects predominantly teenage girls with no history of gender dysphoria. Prior to 2007, there was no scientific information about this population having gender dysphoria. For reference, in 2007, there was one gender clinic in the United States. As of May 2021, there are now 300. In the U.S., females seeking gender treatment quadrupled from 2016 to 2017. According to the UK National Gender Clinic, young girls seeking treatment for this have skyrocketed 4,400%. Teenage girls are now the leading demographic, having leading demographic claiming to have gender dysphoria. In a recent survey, up to 30% of girls in seventh grade identify as trans. In other words, we are seeing an epidemic of rapid onset gender dysphoria unfold before our eyes. Now, just to give you an idea of how bad this problem is, Planned Parenthood gives testosterone on a first visit, depending and depending on the state, 
will give testosterone to minors. In Oregon, for example, the age of medical consent is 15, so minors don't even need parental consent. In some states, minors don't even need parental consent or a therapist note to receive a double mastectomy or top surgery. Thoughts about that before we go into the risks? Uh, I, I know those again, were a lot of numbers, but... Yeah. I don't think uh, we should be doing things to minors, period. Whether Because I don't give a shit either way, so, you know... I'm not for, I'm not against, I just genuinely don't give two shits. But I don't think we should go... And this is why I've kind of leaned on the... Not necessarily anti-circumcision, but more so waiting, because I don't think we should mutilate human bodies until they're able to consent to that. It's like, I don't believe you should give a fucking two-year-old an ear piercing. It's permanent changing of the body. So I don't believe we should be able to give life-changing hormones or cut your titties off. Yeah, no, I, that, that's I'm, where I'm pro, I said... We, I'm pro-cutting titties off once you hit 18, because, like, them things be difficult. <laughs> um, but, uh, and I... Yeah, I'm that's what I was going to say. I, that's what I was going to say. I think we, we, on a lot of the things that I have to bring up, we will agree yeah. because of that. But, anyway... And, like, uh, you wouldn't let that kid go sign up for a credit card and buy a house with it and ruin their life. You want to put that kid in an adult jail? Yeah, depends on where you live. Yeah, depending, but that's a different thing. In a, in a world we would want to live in, you want to put that kid in a fucking adult jail with 30, 40-year-olds, so I don't think you should let them be making the changes to their body that are that have are either hard to reverse or irreversible. We got any thoughts, David? Yeah. I mean with that stuff it's mainly just the age because I could see in like fringe cases where say something in a different medical sense, say like now, something pops up and the kid knows, like, oh, yeah, this is a, I have a medical problem. The doctor diagnosed me with this. I need to do this. The, have, say, like, they have cancer and chemo, but the parents don't consent. Yeah. But, but then it, with, it, it's mainly the age of stuff and instead of, like, oh, and, without knowing the situation, like, do they have therapy? How, say, critical is the situation? Stuff like that. But in general, 15's way too young. Yeah, and I, I get it's a slippery precedent to set for, the, uh, for some medical things on the consent, because there are some medical conditions that you do need testosterone injections or mastectomies yeah or unfortunately there's people that would parents that would say no or if the kid or if they find out this happened would lead to abuse but usually it's an abusive household anyway 
I think the issue there is more the binary of how American law is set up. Because, I mean, we talked about with the abortion thing, the binary of what abortion legally is and how that can well, create... You can also add, I mean, you can also preclude exceptions to a law. Yeah. Or redefine but, things for legal purposes. Yeah, but... uh. Not not ideological purposes. Don't redefine things. Uh, you know. Anyway, that that's all. You can end up with a whole new religion for that one. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. But uh, I think a lot of that is the issue put forth by the binary of the American law system and how hard it is to get those exceptions. And like, if there's an exception, then even it could broad be... exceptions. Yeah. Like medical marijuana was so hard to get. Because people are worried about, oh, this one person could take this law, read it this way now, and it can pull a 180. Or finding loopholes like big companies do all the time for tax breaks and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. So let's go ahead and talk about what are the risks. Um, so puberty blockers are not FDA approved, so we don't know the long-term effects of them or if they're even reversible. Uh, so you might ask yourself, why exactly are therapists so eager to recommend that children be put on this potentially dangerous and life-altering drug, especially when most of them outgrow gender dysphoria? Going through, uh, puberty tends to help people overcome gender dysphoria, so why prevent that? Nearly 100% of children on puberty blockers end up proceeding to cross-sex hormones. This process is guaranteed to make biological females infertile and may also cause permanent sexual dysfunction. If there is this level of risk involved, why are therapists recommending it? When a woman takes testosterone, her voice will begin to deepen, the facial features will round, the shoulders will broaden, and fat will be re redistributed. These are all irreversible and come and also come with a higher risk of cardiac arrest than both men and women. Vaginal and uterine atrophy can occur, can occur which may make intercourse either painful or impossible. Endometrial cancer is also a high risk. This is just what we do know about testosterone. Again, we don't know the long-term effects because there isn't enough research about this. Now, from a double mastectomy, women may experience drainage or the breast refilling with milk if they come off of testosterone. And sometimes a secondary surgery, a second surgery is required if the women are unhappy with the look. And even with all of this, there are still biological aspects that cannot be changed, such as bone structure at the hips or shoulders. As Jordan Peterson put it, quote, it's hard enough for a man to be an ideal man, much less a woman to be transformed into an ideal man, end quote. Now, with uh, regard to the neophallus, a.k.a. the Frankenstein penis, women must undergo a de-sleeving of the forearm to remove the fat and muscle from the forearm, which will be used to create the shaft. Nerves and veins must be rerouted, which is extremely difficult work. Due to frequent complications, the urine stream is often urine stream often ends up as a spray rather than a stream. A further surgery is required in order to get it to harden, which involves inserting an inflatable into the Frankenstein scrotum. 
And even still, there are likely to be complications with regards to sexual pleasure, especially if the individual was put on puberty blockers and then hormones. Doctors who are qualified to perform these surgeries are few and far between because there is such high demand for them. Now, there are thousands of horror stories from detransitioners who come to regret their decision, but permanent damage has been done in most cases. Just look on YouTube to see how many people are talking about this on a weekly basis. Um, and the last thing I'm going to have on this, one popular argument for the, from the pro-trans camp is that the suicide rate of these individuals is astonishingly high, sitting at about 40%. This is true, and it is a shame. They often cite this as a justification for the radical surgeries they believe are necessary. However, it's not clear that suicidality actually decreases after they are given these treatments. Their suicide rates are still very high, which leads me to believe that the treatments they are receiving aren't actually an effective solution. And I will turn it to you guys. Yeah, and also to note about, say, the puberty blockers, they are FDA approved for children who start puberty at an early age, just not for that use case. Okay. And uh, I did not know about, I didn't know much about the Franken penis because I've never, because I've w worked and I know a few people who are trans female to male. And most of them do not elect for that surgery. Because <laughs> what happens is on testosterone, the uh, clitoris, which if you know anything about the human biology, that is where the male penis is formed from the little jelly bean and the woman. That is your penis. You're talking about in, in during pregnancy? Yes. Okay. What usually happens, and this also happens with uh, bodybuilders who misuse or abuse testosterone, HGHs, steroids, the clitoris will grow into a... Sometimes two and a half, three inch penis into a really big clitoris. And that's usually from my questioning and, you know, interest in, okay, I work with these people. We're friends. I kind of feel okay with asking these questions because they're open to answering them. I didn't pry for these. All right? They were very <laughs> open about their life. Yeah. They and tend to be. Uh, not all of them, but the one we had good camaraderie, right? And and most of them usually don't f go for the Franken penis that mm -hmm. I that I've met. Most will just do it a bigger clit and uh, sex toys, and then some of them still <laughs> have sex with dudes after the testosterone too. It's a weird world. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, any yeah, other I, any other thoughts? Uh, I, I mean, we can like go on to the next thing. I just wanted to let you guys talk for a little bit, so it's not me rambling forever. I had, I just wanted to inform you of the uh, growing of the clitoris, the clitosaurus yeah. rex of sorts. Oh no! Also, don't ever call it that. Where your balls are, that that's where the vagina is. I know. I learned this from probably some Pro or me jackass in high school. <laughs> You probably told me something like that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. 
Okay, well, I guess we'll go ahead and move on. Um, so what is causing this surge of gender dysphoria? Uh, we, I mentioned this guy, I think, um, uh, in a recent episode. I don't remember which one. There's a guy named Eric Erickson. It's a very unfortunate name, I know. But uh, anyway, he's a psychologist and is famous for his psychosocial development theory. This maps out the stages of psychological development that we go through at certain ages, such as trust versus mistrust from 0 to 18 months, uh, or generation from stagnation from ages 40 to 65. Obviously, there's a lot more than that. But um, the ages here are tentative because everyone develops at a slightly different rate. And... The theory is that if you learn how to develop how to develop properly while in one of these stages, you will move on to the next stage. And if you don't, you will have problems in life. This is partly why therapists often dig into your past to uncover trauma and address developmental mistakes. Many of these formative stages happen early in life, uh, which is why Michael and I discussed developmental psychology in one of the abortion episodes. There it is. I wrote it down. It was the abortion episode. Yeah. Uh, one of the two. Um, so I bring this up because there is a specific developmental stage for adolescents, usually ages 12 to 18, called identity versus role confusion. During this stage, individuals are asking questions like, who am I and where am I going in life? Now, if you succeed in the development of your identity, you will be able to stay true to yourself. If you don't, you will likely have a weaker sense of self. I am positing here that these teenage girls that are struggling in the stage are becoming confused about their identity because they're in that stage. Now, also, Abigail, Abigail Schreier believes that the reason behind this is a social contagion because teenage girls are in a particularly impressionable and vulnerable state, developmentally speaking. So, for example, anorexia and bulimia are known to spread through social contagion as well. We know that there is a high comorbidity rate with other mental illnesses for this demographic. <clears throat> for example, this particular demographic also has the highest rate of anxiety, self-harm, clinical and clinical depression ever. Women tend to be very self-conscious about their appearance and their bodies. Mixing these elements with social pressure to fit in in school and you have the perfect storm for a social contagion. Now, I believe I agree with Schreier that this is likely a social contagion. However, I also personally believe that there is a spiritual element to all of this as well. While I no doubt believe there is a utilitarian function in the naturalistic perspective of psychology, as a Christian, I believe that we are not just uh, that we are both mind and soul, not just mind. So psychologists are inherently limited in their scope. Uh, as you guys know, I've been reading slowly through the Old Testament. And one of the things I'm picking up on is God's providence with his people. Certain types of sin crop up, uh, certain types of sins crop up as a symptom of a much deeper problem. And God simply allows his people to live with the consequences of their own choices. I believe the, that the delusions of gender dysphoria are a symptom of our generation's idolatry, specifically idolatry of the self and our chronic narcissism. Thoughts? Uh, one thing that I've also always wondered, and this kind of ties into the tribal, patriarchal, and matriarchal uh, functions, one thing 
because I've always been interested in researching like serial killers and things like that. Because this is what is, Michael does in his free time. Well, you know, philosophy, psychology, all that shit. Just I know, fasc- I know. I'm fascinating just, my wheelhouse. Just roads. And just even in uh, some infinite. like emperors and things like that is the forcing of quote unquote gender roles from a parent. So like, <clears throat> let, let's, let's say a boy likes to cook. Mm-hmm. At some point in American history, that was woman's work. And unless he was going to become a professional chef, it was seen as a lesser thing for him to do versus let's, and these are just examples, people. Right. Go work on a car and vice versa. And we attributed a gender norm to these activities instead of what they are. I cook every day. I'm still a man. I also can work on a car. I can also cuddle with my cat and crochet. I wonder, and this is just a wonder because I don't have to answer. I don't fucking know if part of the issue is how we blind, blindly label things and we don't share the responsibility for things. It's like in, a, in former society, it was always the female's job to stay, make the food, take care of the kids, and do things to upkeep the dwelling. Whereas it's the man's job to go out, hunt, and all that. And so in modern times, we do the same thing by attributing certain traits to masculine and feminine. When in the modern world, that doesn't make any sense to do because a woman is just as capable of getting a nine-to-five as a man. And a man is just as capable of raising and being a, say, house husband. So I wonder if that could possibly have any correlation with the <clears throat> onset gender dysphoria, the rapid onset gender dysphoria, maybe even just gender dysphoria in general. Because I know some transgendered people usually prefer more masculine things if they're female to start with, and they're tr- transitioning to a male. They usually grow up performing more masculine things, hunting, rock music, hanging out, being uh, rough housing, things like that. And that's attributed sometimes to more masculine behaviors. And so I wonder if that plants that seed and that seed eventually grows to create this dysphoria of I'm not like them. So maybe I'm not them. So you're saying, yeah. So you're basically saying, I think you're kind of getting at the root of the, the ideological movement I think essentially what you're saying is that there is kind of a movement, a revolt against traditional gender roles. And so that manifests itself in transgenderism. To a point, I, I, I could agree with that. But also it's a hindrance to the solo lifestyle of anyone living by themselves. So I think it's a more cultural issue at this point which I know we spoke about in the uh, abortion thing of how I want to say it was the abortion where it's not really in some circles, it's not okay not to be married or have a baby by this point and yada, yada, yada with the cultural issues. So I wonder if maybe that could play a part 
it's not necessarily going to be the part, but maybe it plays the part because uh a serial killer, I can't remember his name off the top of my head, was forced to wear a petticoat dress and serve tea at his mother's functions while his father was away in the military. And then he started to have that gender dysphoria. And I've, I've heard um, of this as well. With yeah. uh, like, there's a story of an uh, an older man who was basically his um, grandmother dressed him up in a in a let him dress put on a dress basically um, when he was like three and she built him up and she was like oh you're so pretty and he became very self conscious about that and you know his mom didn't know anything about it and so he would just you know start wearing the dress um more and more and eventually developed gender dysphoria eventually transitioned into woman to a woman and later on in life he regretted that decision and transitioned it back I, i'm more so talking about the uh the taboo of because there are historical cloaks and dresses that men would wear but the more taboo of if you don't like this thing then that makes you this. You don't like car working on cars, you're not a man. You don't like drinking beer, you're not a man. Things if I've been told you, a million times. Or for a, a female, you don't like wearing dresses and doing these things, these certain things, you're not a woman. Which I think we can all agree is absolute bullshit. <laughs> so um, I wonder if that may, if that, uh, <clears throat> Because that, that really has embellished itself even today in American culture in certain uh, sections. Where in, we're, we're all guilty of it. We, I can take my, my shots and say I'm guilty of, oh, that's a little weird that you like that because you're a girl or you're a guy. We've all had these thoughts, and so I wonder if that maybe has a part in some part in gender dysphoria, at least the rapid onset of it. During those mm-hmm. very uh, developing years. Yeah. yeah. And with that, it probably wouldn't help that, especially with a lot of, well, kind of less social interaction and developing times with helicopter parents and that whole topic. With most of what, say, interactions socially you would see from say tv or the internet where all of those kind of what people think are traits so like working on cars or stuff is like the most tokenized version of it yeah so actually it's ironic you guys are bringing this up because that's that was going to be one of the next things i i talk about um it's it's been brewing in my head since we started the episode and i was waiting for a proper point <laughs> oh well, okay, so let's let's move on to a critique of the the ideology from my perspective. Um, and this is kind of uh, addressing what you guys were talking about. If the issue were really about changing social norms about traditional roles between men and women, um, then why do all of these trans people adopt and thereby reinforce stereotypical male and female roles? Also, if it were just about our views on these stereotypes, then why are we addressing it with surgery? Yet still, 
The transgender ideologues claim that gender is fluid, but if it's fluid, then why is surgery necessary? What other mental illness do we treat with irreversible surgery? It's really an absurd and indefensible movement in my eyes. So if you were talking about, I, I think people are confusing gender roles with their gender. And so they assume like, oh, I'm a tom girl or a tom, I'm a tomboy, you know, and I play, I'm a, I'm a little girl and I play with trucks. And so therefore I'm a man. Like that doesn't make you a man. That's not what that word means. So I think we're we're conflating the two. And then what the transgender ideologues do is they reinforce those stereotypes when they say, oh, well, if you play with trucks, then you're obviously a man. So you, you should just become a man. Like they're reinforcing the stereotype in the first place. If you're trying to change social norms, then why, why reinforce it? Yeah. And the same can be said, uh, not necessarily pushing like, oh, you're a man, but hey, you shouldn't do that. You should do this can be said for the other side. Right. Which just it, it's it's a confusing of like there there you can be a masculine female and you can be a feminine male. Like that doesn't mean that you're the opposite sex. I think it, it's just a lot of confusion that stems from this mental disorder that we're using. And like, again, we have to remember that this is like. This is a serious mental condition, and yet we're treating it like it's like being gay or something, which, you know, the pro-gay camp are going to say, like, it's an immutable aspect. And we've, we've discussed that, like, that's debatable whether or not it's an immutable aspect or not. But it's being transgenderism is being treated as if it were some immutable aspect about someone. And that's not necessarily the case. As we've seen with the numbers people with gender dysphoria, actual gender dysphoria, tend to grow out of it. So, I, I guess I'm going to go ahead and say this other thing, because um, this kind of relates to what I was just saying. Transgender ideology is exactly that, an ideology. It makes a metaphysical claim, it makes metaphysical claims about the self, namely that only the individual knows their truth about their gender, which flies in the face of how gender has always been perceived in the past, namely as being intrinsically connected to biological sex. It becomes similar to the uh, idea that Descartes said, I think, therefore I am, but with an ideological perversion, it becomes, I think, therefore I am what I think I am. Not only is this radical view extremely narcissistic, but is the entire idea of subjective truth flies in the face of science and medicine itself. Because if there is no objectivity in the world, we wouldn't have natural laws, the entire field of medicine would fall apart, words would become meaningless, and basically everything in existence would become incoherent. Why believe transgender ideology is true is if truth is subjective. It's self-refuting and asinine on multiple levels. This is an incoherent and dangerous ideology that is the fruit of a mental disorder that the medical establishment has failed to treat properly and unfortunately has fused with our culture's views on relativism. Christians and anyone who cares about truth should be opposed to this ideology because it challenges the very concept of truth in, a, in an objective sense. Thoughts? I didn't mean that to be like a mic drop moment. Uh, oh, uh, 
it, it ended up. I don't really have too much to say on it, <laughs> to be honest with you. Okay. What about you, David? Yeah, David, what do you got? Yeah, David, what what you got? Yeah, nothing I could think of. One other side note is, because um, I've been studying recently the ecumenical councils um, of the early church, and it really is, in the book of Ecclesiastes, it says that um, there's nothing new under the sun. There really is, I mean, that really is a, an eternal truism, because there's, I'm, I'm studying, for example, Gnosticism. I think the, the, the root of what this ideology is getting at is something of a Gnostic reality. So one of the, the core tenets of Gnosticism is that the physical is bad and spirit is good. And so uh, th this gets back to the pagan beliefs that when people died, they went off to some other place and their bodies, you know, were done away with. And because the body is corrupt, the physical is bad. But it's kind of the same idea here. That, you know, it doesn't matter what my physical body is, it matters what I feel inside, and that's what's good. And it's just interesting because there's a lot of, there's a lot, you will be able to see a lot of th repeating trends in various religious cults, political ideologies, whatever it may be we find these things in a, a lot of ancient thought and, and many of them have, have come out as heresies against the Christian church at points in time. Yeah. And that's uh, what you just said there. That's something that I'm not sure if you've noticed, but I've noticed even some Protestant circles. Oh yeah, definitely. Like there's, there's a lot of, um, and I'm not trying, I know I this like is, to, I, I know I like to no, rake. This Christian. is not a blast against Protestant. I like to rake the the Protestants through the coals and through the mud. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, I know, I know, I do kind of. We lo we we love you guys just as much as we love anybody. Just right. I I know I rag on them a lot, but there are, and this is this is part of the problem with being historically ignorant, is if you don't know where your belief system came from. You don't know the battles your forefathers fought against to get you to where you are. And you won't recognize when those old ancient heresies start popping up again. So, I mean, there are a lot of Christian cults today that are essentially the rebirthing of those ancient heresies. I mean, not all of them were stomped out. I mean, for a long time, like... For example, like Arianism, Arianism was stomped out and a council council fairly, I guess, fairly early on, but it persisted for hundreds of years before it was ever minimized. And there are Arians today. They don't know that they're Arians because they don't know about history. But anyway, that was a rant. Yeah, but it's I think that is one thing that I've noticed a lot of even just in my short time of really getting to understand these different uh, movements within the Christian ethos of mm -hmm. sorts. Uh, David, did you have any thoughts? No. No thoughts. Empty thoughts, David Day. Yeah. All right. Okay, so let's move on. Let's talk about the practical consequences. Uh, 
So there's quite a few of these things, and this is going to start talking about the laws and political ramifications of transgender ideology. So the activist types push for the elimination of the distinction between men and women in sports. For example, biological males are allowed to compete in women's weightlifting competitions in the Olympics so long as they identify as female and go through the proper medical process to affirm that delusion. Uh, many have argued that this is an abuse of women's rights because there are biological differences between male and female that cause them to perform differently in athletics and to allow men who think they're women to compete in women's sports is unfair to actual women. So I'm sure we all know about the, uh, the female, the, the male to female transgender athlete who like lapped all the females like three times in the the recent olympics i don't know if you guys heard about that but i mean like you hear Are about you this all about the time Bruce Jenner? <laughs> no I, I mean you hear about this all the time in yeah. in a lot of sports and it's very controversial and I, I think it is it is offensive to women actual women that men can just you know invade their their designated sports areas i mean i'm not really the biggest sports fan i don't really care about sports but i mean I for do. the sake of actual yeah, yeah. you know for I the mean, sake of actual women's say, rights you i'm know? not in not any sports but i also don't check tv don't check anything okay. this is know. literally a south park episode from 2015 16 mm -hmm. where every every like Washed up male athlete is just like, oh brother, I'm a woman and I'm gonna crush you, brother. <laughs> I'm on estrogen, which I think most ninety nine percent of people, including a lot of the trans community, would be like, yeah, it's kind of bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, there's a very strong ideological push against against it, against the I separation. Mean, there's a. I mean, if they're allowed to compete in the Olympics, you know, what? <laughs> there's a lot of, uh, I think it was like the WWE like a, a while back as well. It was, this is like a decade ago or something. But yeah, I mean, like it's a, it's a. Well, the WWE uh, is something else entirely because they, it's yeah, they've more had, theatrics they, than sport. Yeah. yeah. I want to bring them into it because and then uh, China. Have, cool. Was I a, don't actually know sports, so I didn't yeah. even really know what it was. And I then just you knew have saw something about indie it. companies, say like a uh, game changing wrestling. That there is a, like, they don't even have a women's division. Women and men compete on the same level. Because, I mean, wrestling is a mixture of sports and theatrics, essentially. And technique. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. Do you happen to recall the name of that wrestler? Oh, jeez. You mean the swimmer? Or, um, oh, I thought you said WWE for right. Um, I don't know the WWE, but I I know there was a swimmer in the Olympics that I mentioned. I don't remember the names of anyone though, off the top of my I, yeah, head. But I can I, mean, I can look it up later if you're interested. With my uh stance on this, you develop mentally pro progress as a in a perfect world. I don't think if people wouldn't abuse this to get wins. Most people wouldn't care, but this is a very easily abusable thing, all right? Because most women aren't too fifty and built like shit, all right? Mo um, without abusing uh, steroids and stuff. 
just like most men aren't going to be a hundred and something pounds and skinny and flexible. That's just, all right, there's a reason that you shouldn't use these because that is, first, that's anti-competitive. That's clear violation of that. Second, that's violation of sportsmanship. Third, you really look like a dick. Fourth, go, if you're so good, go compete with the men. So good. Yeah. I, I and think that, that's that and please note that is not me saying that when in some sports it is easier for a man to be more proficient at it. And at some sports it's easier for women to be more proficient at it. Uh that's a very slippery slope going, Oh yeah, you can compete with the women. You're eight you're seven feet tall and three hundred and fifty pounds. Go wrestle with them. Fucking break one in half. Get out of here. Cali- well, uh, Greco-Roman wrestling, like, collegiate wrestling. I guess yeah, I'm talking about. Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's something that we'll just have with those situations. If it's allowed, it sh- we should have, say, more studies on, hey, when does, say, the advantage end? Is it, say, five years? And, you know, if they were to allow any it's like it would have to be on a case-by-case basis yeah but it would be such tricky waters because i mean everything's corrupt anyway then you don't think a fucking no-name country or a country who hasn't had a gold medal wouldn't oh, damn, abuse they even would. that yeah that's They'd what i like, said yes my brother my my sister craig he is woman <laughs> she she is woman we want a gold Yes, Mother yeah. Russia. That's a shitty Russian accent, but yeah, I mean, get well, the fuck out of here. Uh, that's why it's because, I'm all I mean, for it equal opportunities in sports. I'm all for, it. like in the NFL, we recently started getting female referees, and I think that's a good thing to expand the sport. There's a lot of uh, female head coaches coming up in the sport, and the collegiate and high school level and I think that is a great thing to get more people involved and to let them know that granted the players are male but that doesn't mean a female can't have some spot in this and if a woman is good enough to be drafted in the NFL fucking let her but I don't I'm, I'm not for if it's separated and you shouldn't be able to fucking do that because there's a reason you just laughed everybody it's yeah. First, you're on hormones. You're on steroids, essentially. Second, yeah. you're you're fucking. You were born a man, and you grew as a man <clears throat> until you started getting hormones and going by a different name. It's like get the fuck out of here. So or also, let's just get rid of gendered sports. Period, and see how that shit goes. Uh, yeah, that'll go wonderfully. <laughs> Just and great. Men, men dominating certain sports and women absolutely destroying men and others. Let's separate this shit even more. Yeah. Let's okay. stop separating sports. So, yeah. See how ass nine that gets? Good, good luck with that. Let's see how that goes. Um, okay, so another thing, uh, and I kind of mentioned this earlier, but uh, 
20 states have outright banned conversion therapy. And again, by conversion therapy, I mean the therapist is not allowed to convince a male patient that he's really male if he believes otherwise. In Canada, therapists can outright criminalize, uh, be criminalized for not endorsing a patient's gender identity. Again, because of affirmative care, therapists have to start with their conclusion and automatically assume gender dysphoria or else risk losing their license. This is a threat to science and psychiatry. All right, I'm going to go into some laws, which are predatory, to say the least. So, for one, um, actually, this this, isn't, this one isn't specifically, uh, well, actually, it is a law. Um, so, a biological male was allowed to enter a women's spa in L.A. completely naked in front of women and children. One mother protested, and the spa's owners couldn't do anything about it because their policies affirm people's gender expression. Uh, when people protested this uh, policy the next day, Antifa, who are a radical hate group comprised of mostly trans people, hey showed now, up. Hey we're not all radical hate group trans people. We're just... You would be chorus. surprised. There's, there's a lot of them that are. Yes, but the true original core is just anti-fascism, which America's finding itself in the thrust of. Okay, well, I'm gonna, we'll put a pin in that, and we'll talk about that when I finish yes. this. Um, they, they showed up and assaulted the protesters. So, months later, it came to light that the trans person in question, named Darren Miranger, was a sex offender with a long history of allegations and convictions. He was wanted for six cases of indecent exposure. Specifically at the spa, five women, including one minor, reported that he showed his erect penis to them in the locker room. So this is this is one case. Um, Question. Go ahead. Why was he allowed? You said he was allowed to be naked, and there was a minor in view. It's Did because he go the because the spa accepts gender expression, and so he was allowed to be in there with women and children. That is uh, predatory. <laughs> what real quick was the minor naked? Because that's child pornography right there. No, no, they weren't. None of, no one was naked in the spa. He just exposed himself in the spa. Okay, so if he didn't expose himself, there wouldn't be... We wouldn't be talking about this issue. Mm, maybe. I mean, it wouldn't make as big of a splash, for sure. Yeah. It, but, uh... In my opinion... Know, the general consensus is we, we don't... This is why we have separation. With bathrooms and I, stuff like I, this. See, if a if a woman had walked in there and exposed herself, would that have been an issue? She just flashing her titties and her pussy at everybody. Ah, uh, it could be, especially if there's children. Or if a if a man walks into a, or if a man walks into an all man's one and exposes his, exposes his penis. Probably the same thing's going to happen. Someone's going to say it. something. If you're that guy, stop it. I don't want to see your yeah. dick. It doesn't... The issue that I'm getting at, it doesn't matter if it's around men or women or if he didn't... If he wasn't a fucking pervert and exposed his penis to everybody. And a minor. Let's not forget that, people. A minor. It doesn't, doesn't matter the age. A minor. We want to be talking about it. It wouldn't be an issue. And for those people who uh, 
didn't have an issue, but a person of any gender exposing themselves un unrightfully to any gender. If you don't have a problem with that, you shut the fuck up. Okay, so minor note um, for the future. Anyone listening? I had a little hiccup in life. David, com- David's computer crashed and we almost lost his part of the episode. We discovered that it's fine. Uh, but his computer is on life support, so he's trying to figure out how to fix things and uh, doesn't want to cause any issues. So for the rest of this episode, it's just going to be Michael and I. Sorry to disappoint. David is yet again going to be not in the episode. So Yeah, the, the bastion of creativity and vocal cues <laughs> and charisma that is David will not yeah. be here for the rest of this episode. I'm so sorry to all of our wonderful viewers that you have to listen to the slog of dialogue that is me and Bailey. Mm-hmm. If you don't like that, I'm sorry. Bye, no, David, a new come, computer. People, people show up for us anyway. They don't like yeah. David. All right, I'm just kidding. I should stop being mean to David. We, we bully we, him just for fun. But yeah. like it's it's a unique dynamic people don't understand. Yeah. He he's just as pertinent to this as I am. I like to think. Yeah, Bailey's kind of the most pertinent member. He's the one who started all this. I'm just the voice and with some <laughs> ideas. Okay. Well, anyway, um, we're gonna get back to the topic now uh, that that brief intermission has happened. So we were talking about um laws that have been put in place that are predatory. So I want to give one other example of a scenario that happened um so in loudon county virginia uh, a female student was brutally raped by a trans identifying student when the father showed up at the school they told him they wanted to keep the issue in-house and labeled him a domestic terrorist for opposing transgender ideology soon after the school adopted a radical pro-trans policy which essentially enabled this type of abuse and much to the parents dismay they were given a measly 60 seconds to make a statement to the school board in protest. As you could imagine, left-wing news outlets had nothing to say about this. Um, Also, just a little fun fact about this student. Um, They were relocated to another school where they raped another student, this time in a classroom. Now, also, uh, one other thing I'd add to this is uh, compelled speech laws in places like Canada, New York, and California force freedom of speech to kneel before the altar of political correctness as words become viewed as violence. I could go on and on, but the point is clear. The fruit of transgender ideology is further depravity. First off, that, that first bit's a multifaceted thing. Uh, first, we do not prosecute... Yes. I, sh- I, I, I think I missed this part in, in the description of that rape scenario. It was, it was in a bathroom. That they, they adopted the open bathroom policy for a school, and then a rape happened. So, I, And this isn't to argue against that, but sex happens in bathrooms, in schools, no matter the gender. The overlying issue in my eyes with this is, in America, we do not prosecute on the same level for everybody. One person will get 20 years for the same thing. A man will get three weeks, especially when it comes to sexual assaults, rapes, and things of that nature. 
they should have took this fucking kid and put him in a fucking asylum and figure out what the fuck was wrong with him to make him think that's fucking okay. Because it's fucking not. No matter if you're transgender, no matter if you're straight, <clears throat> rape and sexual assault is never fucking okay. And if you think it is, see that bridge? Jump off of it. Make the world a better fucking place. I'll stand on that shit. Because even outside of the whole the whole bathroom thing to allow a sexual predator to go into another fucking school and do the exact same thing with no repercussion and then tell the parents you want to keep this criminal investigation in-house is a disservice to the American society. The same thing happens in colleges. In high schools, middle schools, elementary schools, workplaces. That is more of an overarching theme to me. Because a lot of these would still be crimes, even without the transgender thing. It's just allowing shitty people to get it's just enabling to be shitty more, people. It's just enabling more yeah. abuse. Because if that person didn't identify as whatever, they'd still go in that bathroom and rape that person and get fucking away with it. So it's it's just people want to twist their own ideology and not call right is right and wrong is wrong. It doesn't matter that person's transgender. What they did was fucking words can't describe how much this shit makes my blood boil. And especially when it comes to the sexual assault level of this cuz I myself know a lot of people who have been through this shit. And a lot of people who don't get the justice they deserve for what they went through. And we, sh when it comes down to criminal things like that, we should take all, we should take all of our opinions out of it and look at it on a criminal level. Because whether you're pro or against, that's that's rape. Rape is a crime. That person, if they are under eighteen, should be tried to reap. Habilitate. And, and if they're, sorry, go ahead. I'll let you wrap and up. And if they're over and should go through the due process that is getting punishment for your wrongdoings and being rehabilitated. I know that's not how the system always works, but when it comes to things like this, the best place for you is to be wherever the fuck they're going to send you. And if that person is over 18 or tried as an adult, Send them to fucking prison. They're a rapist. No one gives a fuck about you. And that, that might be a very controversial thing for some people to think, oh, just throw them in fucking jail. doesn't matter. Man, woman, child. You're a fucking rapist. Fuck out of my face. And um, don't, don't put your ideology onto <clears throat> push behind criminal actions. Don't, don't die in that fucking hill. Because no one, whether, and this is something, a critique I make on a lot of ideologies in this world, is people will die in the wrong fucking kill. And that's what this is. Trying to cherry pick something about this person and make him a martyr. When there's innocent people being taken advantage of or killed every day who don't get the light of justice.
and doesn't get the same support. So, yeah, that was... First of all, how that was handled is... Oh, yeah, well, I want to go a little bit more in detail with the, the way the school board handled this because I, I've actually only told you part of the story. So, essentially, once this news story broke, um, there were a couple people that really brought a lot of attention to this, and one of those people was a guy... Uh, conservative commentator named Matt Walsh. So Matt broke this. Well, I don't think it was necessarily Matt that broke the story. I think it was the company he works for, but he talked about it on his show and he decided to go to Loudoun County during the school board hearing to protest and to kind of let his voice be known on the issue. So at the very last minute, the school board decided that you have to be a citizen of Virginia in order to speak at this um, at this event. And so Matt Walsh, the savage, decides to rent someone's basement for one dollar, thereby legally making him a citizen of Virginia so that he can go speak at this thing. Originally, it was going to be two and a half minutes, and then they made it 60 seconds. So they're very clearly trying to suppress um, any opposition when it comes to this kind of thing. And this is just one example. There's a lot of them, but this yeah. is one prominent example. The, and the issue more so is, isn't that the person was transgender. They're covering up rape. They're covering up a rape. And... First of I, I all, think the issue is both. I think the issue is that a rape happened and that they enabled it to happen by allowing open bathroom policies. It would have happened regardless of the I open don't bathroom think it policies. Would. It happens. I think it would be far less likely. Regardless. I think you're far enabling it when you open the bathrooms. Or what if we just punish rapists how they should be punished and let I mean, fair know. enough. Yeah. But all of this is happening because they didn't punish a rapist for raping and they didn't try to it sounds like they didn't want to fucking do anything about it and again this is where the regardless of their gender identity or whatever you're fucking piece of shit rapist we should treat you like such just like I'll say the same thing about Brock Turner He's a piece of shit rapist. We should treat him as such. Nobody should get any brownie points for any ideology they fall under, any benefits they have when they commit a criminal action. Second thing, was the perpetrator or victim a minor? Um, I believe the minor was in ninth grade. I think she was 15. I don't know how old the perpetrator was. I imagine. Okay. I mean, he was in high school, so probably a minor. Okay. That creates a very, very tricky ecosystem when it comes to releasing information. Because, and this is coming from someone who has had criminal charges pushed on him as a minor, nobody can get that information except for the judge, jury, the, officer, the arresting officer, it falls under, it's kind of like HIPAA, where they can't just openly give that information out. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of times that creates this level of secrecy 
for both the protection of the victim and the defendant. I could be wrong about this. I believe this event took place in May of 2020, and the story broke in October of okay or uh, May of 2021, and it broke in October of 2021. I think I could be wrong, but I, I'm pretty certain that's what I remember it being. And no, that is not saying. <clears throat> that's just more of giving you the baseline of how information about these sorts of things. Now, if that person was tried as an adult, which would happen to a lot of people in high school, they tried to try me at 15 as an adult for the charges that never got prosecuted, then it would become public information. So that's, I just more so want to give you the baseline on how that criminal uh, information can Mm -hmm. be relayed or can't be relayed. Yeah. not commenting more on the situation. Yeah. Because okay. they should have fucking done something about having a predator in your school. Because if a teacher diddled a kid and they weren't removed, we'd want to fucking get rid of them, right? Are this, right. The high school we went to has had several yes. get removed. <laughs> yeah. There was one just two months ago get <clears throat> removed. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So that's just the failure of in my eyes, the justice system and the school board, and they should be rightfully reprimanded for that. And anyone who tried to cover up a rape should be removed. It doesn't matter what side of the political spectrum you fall upon. Which is kind of my, my saying on a lot of this shit. Right's right, wrong's wrong. Yeah. Uh, so, <clears throat> I want to talk about some censorship that has gone on about the issue uh, because this is a very serious problem what is being done by the medical establishment is downright evil but unfortunately because the trans activists and leftists are so rabid and unwilling they are unwilling to listen to people who oppose them on this issue people who talk about this issue are written off as lunatic conservatives with little effort and little effort is taken to address the medical establishment enabling this problem. In other words, this issue has become politicized when it really shouldn't be. This is downright a medical scandal. Scandal. Medical journals are censoring pediatricians and other experts who raise concern for pushing hormones in surgery. Abigail Schreier, who I've quoted and is merely fairly moderate re- with regard to transgenderism, was smeared essentially as an alt-right crackpot when she released her book, Irreversible Damage, in 2020, which discuss uh, in this book, she outlines many of the concerns with regard to the treatment of gender dysphoria that I have brought up here. She was lambasted on social media, and her book was removed from Amazon for a time. Target permanently removed her book. The American Bookseller Association removed her book permanently, claiming that it was... Uh, claiming that it carried a violent incident. So, yeah. Okay. few things on that. The, uh... You just said a couple private entities that didn't want to carry the book, correct? Yes. You said Target. That's free commerce. They get to decide what they want to allow... And that's good in a sense, and that's also bad because then well, they're, they're distinctly doing it for political reasons. Is that's yeah. what I'm getting at? 
but they're a free enterprise. They have the right to make that decision, just like with vaccine mandates and things. They have the right to make that decision. That's a capitalist world we live in, is the free commerce and the allowing to politicize anything and make money off of it. Yeah, that's I, th why. I think that's a broader issue, is that... yeah. Companies but, are becoming political entities, and oh, they've always been political entities. Though it's not becoming; it always has. They're they're being very much more ideological than they have been in the past. So it's becoming yeah. that you have conservative businesses and liberal businesses. Why can't we just have businesses? Because there's no, if you're, it's just another extent of advertising. You can look back in uh, the 1700s against the loyalists and the separatists and revolutionary they would advertise what side of the of this on granted business was a lot smaller and more condensed but that would get different political parties for or against them it's something as old as free commerce is using political ideology as an advertising scheme instead of your product look what uh has happened that that's an example, uh, so many companies during the 50s and 60s would do pro or anti-communist propaganda to garner to a certain niche of people and to advertise because then it's more than a product, it's a statement. <clears throat> and that is one of the issues. That is why I'm not a capitalist because it's a flawed system, just like I'm not a pure socialists or Marxists because they're all flawed systems and then they allow the removal of dissonance from commerce because I think you should I don't give a fuck who reads what book they should be able to sell Mein Kampf right next to fucking the Marxist uh, manifesto just like they should be able to sell the Bible, the Torah, the Quran because once you remove information and make business political, that's where it gets real messy. Yeah, and that's what I'm getting at is like, yes, technically there is nothing illegal with what they have done to not carry these books, but they are deliberately censoring certain viewpoints that they don't like for political motives. Yeah, but that most people who are for free speech are very capitalist and that is and also by the way like this book i haven't read it all the way through but it's not really controversial stuff it's just stating facts about gender i gender dysphoria and rapid onset gender dysphoria uh it's not really political it's more informative and obviously it unveils the fact uh talks about like you know um I'm blanking on the term. The affirmative care talks about that issue. So, I mean, these kinds of things are covered in the book. And it it's not even really meant to be an anti-dogmatic book or a dogmatic book in any way against anything. It's meant to be an informative book. But because that information is harmful to a certain political narrative it must be silenced. And that is a broader problem we're having in culture is censorship among this issue and a lot of others. 
I mean, that's it's it's became more prominent in the modern era for def definitely sure. I'd say since uh post World War Two, right around where different ideas that aren't necessarily haunt or even just informational. I'm not going to go join a cult, but if I want to read a book trying to understand cults, those a lot of them have been banned in certain areas in the past due to either political or theological supremacy. <clears throat> and that removes information. And I know it's on a different thing, but I wouldn't say a book on evolution is necessarily an attack. A statistical book, an actual scientific book, isn't an attack on people who don't believe in evolution. But at one point it was seen as that and the information was held under a veil. Just like uh, information on the effects and side effects and issues upon narcotics which I owned a copy of it due to my grandfather being a police officer who dealt with narcotics on a daily basis that book was banned in the county we grew up in instead of sharing information learning about the other side and why these things happen we want to just shut off and push our superior superior narrative if you don't think like me you're wrong and that's an issue on every side and that's right. why freedom isn't really free all right i'm gonna ask you one one quick question on this and then we'll move on because i don't want to talk about this s single thing forever but yeah the things that i brought up in this episode about statistics about the harms about you know the science the legal cases is that something that you think people should know about it's I not a trick question i know it sounds like a setup to a trick question but i'm yeah. I, okay when it comes to anything i think we as a populace need to be more well informed no matter what side of side you're on or what the information may lead statistically it's like if you look at gun violence in america i'm a very pro-gun person but i think i should know that just as much as someone who's anti-gun i know it's a different wheelhouse but it gives well, a also good people explanation. With, with statistically speaking people with guns uh if, if they suspect that you have a gun crime is le less in that area because you know probably not going to rob someone if you know they have a gun versus robbing someone if you know they don't have a gun yeah. it's a it's a crime deterrent but owning but a obviously there does, are abuses. does make you more likely to commit a domestic murder. Yeah, I mean, there or are abuses as well. So, I mean... Yeah, we should get all the facts together, get them all, get all the shit together. <laughs> Put it all in a book. And discuss them, because yeah. that's how we learn. Right. And statistics aren't always perfect, but they're a there's something to use to build upon and to learn more and to study more. But yeah, I, I think anyone should be aware of what they're doing and what they stand for statistically on both sides. That's okay. pro or anti because okay. it leads to better discussion. Okay. So I know we've been talking about a lot of things here, so let's take a minute and talk about, 
where did this come from? Um, so are you familiar with a guy named John Money um, or Alfred Kinsey? Off top of my head, I am not. Okay. Well, here's a little history lesson. <clears throat> so the concept of gender identity or expression was debunked by the guy who invented it about a century ago. He's also responsible for the concept of sexual orientation. Look into John Money. He's the guy who began attributing gender to people instead of language. He also endorsed open marriages, orgies, and pedophilia. He believed that gender was a unique category that was distinct from sex and that gender expression was informed by society and societal constructs. So when a young boy named Bruce Rimmer went through a failed circumcision, John Money recommended his parents give him sex reassignment surgery and raise him as a girl. Bruce and his twin brother Brian would visit Money for sessions where he would encourage them to perform sex acts on one another. He photographed the children naked and called it childhood sexual rehearsal play. Later in life, Bruce learned the truth and underwent a detransition surgery. Bruce and Brian lived troubled and scarred lives, as you can imagine, and eventually both committed suicide. So, there was also uh, an individual by the name of Alfred Kinsey, who was informed by John Money's work, who believed that sexual orientation was fluid, among many other things that we assume as truth today. Kinsey himself spent his spare time <clears throat> shoving a tooth down his urethra while strangulating himself, in a book called Sexual Behavior in the Human Male, he claimed outrageous statistics such as, quote, 10% of males have sex with animals at some point in their lives, end quote, and, quote, at least half of men have had, sex have had a sexual experience with another man at some point in their lives, end quote. He gathered these statistics by surveying mostly male prisoners, prostitutes, and sex offenders. He also claimed that children as young as five have multiple orgasms in merely minutes. He gathered this data by interviewing child sex offenders who timed their assaults and took notes. Why did he do this? Well, Kinsey was motivated to prove that sexual behavior among young children was normal and that, therefore, so was pedophilia. While we may say in hindsight, hindsight is twenty twenty, and we now know this guy's crazy, his book was actually very influential and informs much of the sex education today. Statistics from this book are still quoted to this day. These are the guys that we base much of our beliefs upon today with regard to sexual orientation and gender. I'd have to say that they're some demented perverts, so they're not exactly the most credible sources in my eyes. Yeah. <laughs> Did you say a tooth in his urethra while he choked himself? Yep. That's uh, an interesting form of sounding. Uh-huh. But. Yeah, so I've I'm heard, not trying to be scandalous. About, but I've uh, heard about the. Uh, go ahead. About the botched circumcision surgery. Mm-hmm. And I, I've, I've heard about it for a while. I've been kind of on the back burner. Because I've been more focused on studying philosophers and shit like that. But I, do you happen to know if the subjects of the uh, horrific experiment 
happen to have a diary or notes or anything that could be gone in red? I do not know. Um, because I, w- I would definitely look into John Money, and you'll probably find a trail to something like that. Because um, to me, that's yeah. where more of the uh, information would come from. Uh, how do I put this? A realistic information of the experience and the uh, turmoil from Hensworth, but also they were molested in forced act and child born. So it's. God, that's dark. Yeah. But so this and, these oh, were the yeah. forefathers to the sexual revolution, by the way. These were uh, I think um I don't know exactly the dates, but it was definitely before the sixties. I mean shit. If I found out I'd been lied to my whole life about who I am, I think I'd probably kill myself too. I mean, I hate to put it like that, but imagine your whole life is a lie, your identity, everything. is just a straight lie. Yeah. Yeah. Which, that also leads the question to, especially regarding transgenderism, again, the nature or nurture. Mm-hmm. And it would also depend on what all was done besides the, what all was done in the reassignment surgery. Was it just strictly removal? Was it hormones? Because Are you God, talking about with, um, with Bruce? The poor, poor, yeah. The poor kid, not, man. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure on the details. It was obviously nearly a century ago, so they probably didn't yeah. have the medical technology that we have today. Man, they cut they cut his little fireman off. Yeah. So, you know, again, I'm not trying to be scandalous with this, but it is important to know that the roots of where we get this stuff, uh, it all it comes from these people. Yeah. And to uh kind of toy with the idea of devil's advocacy here. You can learn a lot from a terrible person. But you have to understand the context from henceforth that comes. A mm. lot, lot of great philosophers, uh, great and, and very intelligent people through history are just fucking awful. But we learn to take their knowledge in context and realize where they fall short. Like if you look at the greatest philosophers, some of them like the fuck little boys. If you look at a <clears throat> a lot of very sometimes intelligent people or even dumb people who say sometimes grandois things you they can be just fucking awful like me personally I can't stand Jordan Peterson as a person and the way he goes about in uh debates and things but he does say some very poignant things on other matters and I can take those with a grain of salt understanding that he isn't a person I align with not saying he's terrible but I just don't align with him and the person he is just like uh, god I'm trying to think of just the worst person I could take a little bit of uh, we'll just stick with great philosophers in general they're usually fucking terrible but 
you got to know where your information comes from and where your uh, kind of roots of the ideology you have going on comes from. I think that's very important to know your history. Much like uh, when we talk to the father, the Catholic priest, he did not shy away from the things that the church has been shown to have done in the past and he knows the history just like we can all we all have something in our past we're not proud of but at least we know the history and we're willing to you know not hide from it it'll learn from it instead of take it as religion right i know that probably was a whole different fucking <laughs> side note but that's just something that got on my mind it's all right we've covered a lot of ground in this episode and we're going to continue covering a lot of ground because we've still got a couple more things to discuss. That was a segue. All right. We're talking about the pronouns debate, kids. So let's talk about the pronouns and the bio situation. Um, what do you think about this phenomenon before I give you my opinion? I mean, to be fucking honest, I genuinely my my thing when it comes to this, it's the same as. Uh, wearing, like, having a mask up, even though I'm, granted, I wear a mask because I'm now in a bigger city, but as long as you're not a dick about it, I'll call you whatever you want. I'll call you Lucy. I'll call you, uh, Luther, him, her, them, they, I don't give a fuck what you want to be called. Just don't be an asshole about it. <laughs> call me Michael. I'll call you whatever the fuck. Do you want to be called? If you want to be called Shadow Skyfall, fuck, hey, Shadow Skyfall, it's nice to meet you. <laughs> Just don't be an asshole. And that, that goes for everybody. Mm -hmm. Okay. I genuinely don't give a shit. <laughs> well. Because me, me being like, no, isn't going to change anything. Just what about, what about, I guess you've addressed it in a general sense, but what about on social media specifically when they put the pronouns in the bio? What is that? Do you have an opinion on that, I guess? As a, again, as long as they're not a dick, I really <clears throat> could give a fuck less. Now, if they're just baiting people to be mean, go fuck yourself. Because some people will do that just for attention. But if you're doing it so you don't have to, have to worry about that conversation or, you know, whatever, I don't, I don't give a fuck as long as you're not a dick about it. That's if it made me, I'd put him, him, he, and mine, and fucking leave it at that. Yeah. So I'm going to be obviously contrarian to you in this issue. I don't think most people are contrarians in this scenario. I think a lot of people will kind of resonate with this. But when I see someone using pronouns in their bio, I immediately make a few assumptions. And the biggest one that they're uh, being that they're politically virtue signaling. It tells me that they're a transgender ideologue and that they're a Democrat, and those are always a great start for someone like me. The argument is that by putting pronouns in your bio, it will somehow make trans people more comfortable with you. It's like telling your black friends that you, a white person, also like rap music. It's oh, really... I have a black friend, I promise. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really hard for me to see anything but political pandering and virtue signaling anytime I see people do this. 
not to mention the fact that using they them pronouns to to refer to a singular individual is incoherent and defies the laws of English. They refers to people in plural, not singular, or if it is used in singular, it is used when the gender is not known. But if Michael says he wants to be referred to as they, I do know his gender, so it would be linguistically inaccurate to call him anything other than he. So that's my take on it. Eh, I think the they them thing, I don't give a fuck what they want. Or, they don't give a fuck either, so. Well, they also, uh, you know, these types of people are also making up genders um, by the day and are changing it by the hour. And there's really no way of, um, even if you wanted to label them what they're, they label themselves. Um, there's no consistency, rhyme or reason or logic to it. And on top of the fact that it's just not true. Uh, like what if you, if you want to call yourself a she, uh, you're not, you're not that. So I would be lying to you enabling your delusion so i'm not going to do that yeah but then that can stop the area of creating discourse on a deeper level by stopping it at a superficial conversational level because create discourse you have to create some sort of comfort there some sort of acceptance and then you can build upon that or off of that so i personally it, I, I don't genuinely give a shit what anyone wants to be called because it's not my place. I don't care. As long as they're not asking me to call them fucking Satan or some dumb shit. Or I'm not calling any other man God. Pretty mm -hmm. much. That's that's the only place where I draw the line is like the spiritual. Other than that, I genuinely could give a fuck less. As long as you're not an asshole and piece shit person, we can conversate. We can yeah. disagree, but we can conversate. Yeah. Okay. And also, I think one issue is people draw too much of their... They don't have an identity out of certain things. Like, some people don't have, have an identity out of their religion, out of their political views, out of their sexuality. They just have that shallow idea of what their identity is and... They're more than that, but that's where we as a culture draw our identity from, is from politics, uh, religion, sexuality. Yeah, yeah we're actually instead about to of, talk about that here in a minute. Yeah. Instead of going, hey, that's Bailey. Like, he he's all of these things, and he's also Christian. It's a big part of his life, but he's a lot more multifaceted than just a Christian. Just like I'm more multifaceted than agnostic. There's a lot more intricacy there and nuance that people miss. Right. And we become so obsessed with this, with uh, the law, creating large spanses of our identity based on things that aren't necessarily all of you. Right. So uh, I want to take a moment to address the, the word transphobia. Uh, kind of like homophobia we discussed last time, because there are probably going to be people online who label me as transphobic after hearing this episode. So 
like the word homophobe, uh, transphobe is often attributed to anyone who disagrees with the transgender narrative. Unfortunately, many of the people who use this term seem to be unaware of the word's actual meaning. So let's go through this again. A phobia is an irrational fear. Therefore, a transphobe is someone who has an irrational fear of trans people. Now, I'll be the first to admit, when you have drag queens and gender-bending fairy godmothers out there, it is a little bit disturbing, but I'm not scared of them. I drag disagree queens with, are fucking hilarious. <laughs> I disagree with their agenda because it looks like the trans activists out there are putting people in serious psycho psychological danger and sexualizing children, but I don't have an irrational fear of them. Do you so know the funny thing about drag queens? A lot of things. There's a lot of I know just things. as many straight men who dress in drag as I do gay men. Or Most drag queens are not trans. They're just dudes that like to dress up once a week and cosplay. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, when the first church interview we did after we finished the service, I ran into one of the like big ones at the time mm -hmm. just looks like a normal dude <laughs> but yeah. uh yeah as do you w would you have a conversation with trans person yeah i mean it's probably not going to be it depends on how um well ideologically just, dogmatic they are because some some of them just i just can't have level. a conversation just on a base level if i can have a conversation with them yes would you work with a trans person who minds I mean, I, their own fucking business I mean, you it's not like I business. have any say in that, but sure. <laughs> well, you could quit your job. They could quit their job. That's a say. Yeah, but that's probably not the wisest conclusion. I mean, if you're going to die on the hill of, of quitting a job for some reason, like that's probably not the best reason to do it. But what I, I'm, I'm building something here. I understand what you're saying. So yeah, you're, no, I wouldn't be. I you're wouldn't. willing to treat these people like people. And even if it's not on anything deeper than just the maybe a casual conversation while you're buying groceries, you're not going to fucking run away. You're not gonna like, huh, huh, tranny, huh, gotta go. Right. You're, that's, that's where, uh, it's one thing to disagree. It's another to be hateful. You're not being hateful. You're still willing to do the Christian thing and talk with them and show them the love that a human being deserves. Yeah. They're not subhuman. <laughs> right. It's uh it's one of those words that gets thrown around very easily. It's it's pretty easy to be labeled a a transphobe if you just disagree with the movement. It's like yeah. it's like homophobia, it's like racism, it's like a lot of things that you just get labeled as a smear tactic. Radicalism. Yeah. Conservative dem liberal, they're just thrown around all willy-nilly when fucking nobody knows what they mean. Right. But what do we know? Uh, hopefully a few things. We've done like 60 episodes of a podcast. <laughs> Sarcasm. <laughs> Captain Obvious. Sorry. Sorry. Oops. Okay. <clears throat> One other thing we need to talk about uh, before we wrap it up here, which is something that you were kind of addressing earlier, and that is the obsession with identity. 
Um, again, let's not forget that many of the people struggling with rapid onset gender dysphoria are also going through the identity versus role confusion stage of their psychological development. Um, I think the obsessiveness at the stage is particularly damaging in a much larger perspective. Take identity politics, for example, or intersectionality, if you prefer big words. Identity politics forces people to sacrifice their ability to critically think about issues and instead vote based on issues uh, based on race, gender, or sexual identity. And if I'm allowed to get existential here, we practically deify our identity. We worship it, and ultimately we enslave ourselves to it. We derive our identities through our interactions in society, friends, and families and such. We enslave ourselves to those things with which we derive our identity from because we desperately need to sustain ourselves psychologically. But if we invest too much of our identity in something finite, such as a relationship or a job, we will be in big trouble when we lose those things. How much more superficial is it to derive an identity from something like politics, race, or gender? Not only is it superficial, but needlessly reductionistic as well. For someone who claims to be, uh, uh, for someone who claims a trans, a gay or trans identity, is that really all you are? Of course not. You're more than that. So don't let society tell you that it is. Yeah, I mean, I, I think any anybody should be able to agree, and that goes not just on this topic, but on so many other topics. We dehumanize ourselves into pigeonholes and that is what we are while also in a way worshiping what we are and that creates virtue signaling and all hosts of other fucking problems and narcissism yeah and narcissism i mean that's something that i myself throughout my journey in life i've <clears throat> been trying to stay more humble and acknowledge these things Acknowledge what I am, but knowing that I'm still growing as a person and that my identity is more than this moment. My identity is more than my past. It's more than my future. It, my identity needs to be structured and based in a way that will hold or else what do I have once what I'm doing is gone. Like, if I had based my identity on the work I've done, I don't plan on going back to doing that work. I would be left without nothing. If I base my identity on drugs, I don't do them anymore. I would have nothing. We as humans are so multifaceted and drawn to intellectual things and, for the most part, social animals that selling yourself short is such such a pity. And we are greater than we see ourselves sometimes. And we're also less than we see ourselves simultaneously. Yeah. So don't obsess over what other people might see you as or identify you as. Be who... Be you. Be the best you you can be, essentially. And don't, don't latch on to anything as you. 
because you're it, it, it's still going to be there without you. You're going to still be here without it. That's why when I explained it earlier, you're much more than just a Christian because then that's a blanket term. You're Bailey. That is a that is a big part of your life and your spirit. Your spirituality is a large part of that, but you're you're more than just a walking Bible. You're a multifaceted human. And yeah, man, just fucking we need to start treating people like people, not identities. It's ironic that we that the people that want to run away from labels create more labels for themselves. Yeah. And the yeah, the people, the people who, that want to get out of that box, that binary box, are creating new boxes and labels yeah. to put and on themselves. Also, the people who create labels just further push that narrative and lock people in because some people will just fall even more into like the uh, jock stereotype or the preppy stereotype. How many people did we go to school with that once they realized that's what they are, they just fell into that shit even harder? Started being a dick, caring nothing about this, or like with being a gamer. Some people's whole identity is just being a gamer. Mm-hmm. And once they realize that's what some people will label them as, they just fall deeper into it. It's a self fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. And I mean, I think me, me and you both can agree we've fallen into those pit traps, but as we've grown, we've tried to become more well rounded and more understanding and wanting to create these dialogues and really get to the heart of who we are as people. Which partially has been done through personal conversation. Part of it's been through this journey we've done with facing the gates. Part of it's just life and the inquisitive nature of man. Yeah. One other thing you said um, about kind of fighting your own narcissism, because I think we all have a... A propensity towards our own ego and narcissism to some degree, especially today. Two things that have helped me with that. Um, number one, getting off of social media, because when you have a platform and you think that people care about what you have to say, when you have the megaphone, and so does everyone else have the same megaphone, that breeds some level of narcissism. So staying away from that has been able has been beneficial for me in in that area. Also, confession, um, introspecting and looking inward and realizing my own faults. There's a lot of them that I've written down um, that have to do with judging other people. And wrongly judging other people, not like making judgments, like being a judgmental person. And so once I acknowledge the fact that I am just as bad as the people I'm criticizing, if not worse, I don't have a place to criticize other people. I mean, that's not to say that I can't make judgments about things like we've talked about in this episode, but that, but being a judgmental person is not good. And that helps foster humility and helps you stay away from this propensity we have that it, that our culture is pushing us toward to be a narcissist. Yeah, because, I mean, at the end of the day, 
we're all humans on this fucking rock going around the sun and separating ourselves even further does no good. And that narcissistic tendency that we have to be the leader or outspoken or, and that's not saying any of those things are inherently bad, but it's just the, it's just worshiping of oneself. And if you can't get outside of your own head and see what else the world has to offer, other people have to offer, not just to help you, but to help the human condition, that's kind of sad. And I do, I do agree that social media doesn't help. Uh, and I do, do say people need to talk to people outside of their wheelhouse more to kind of, it's okay to talk to someone smarter. It's okay to talk to someone who doesn't have quite the grasp on the subjects you're strong at. There's always someone above you. There's always someone below you. You are no different than either of them. You're just a human. You're imperfect. We all are. And, I mean, that's something I've struggled with to kind of bring it, bring home every day, which is why I started wearing this cross. It's one of those little things I can just look at and grab and remember I'm, I'm no better than that crackhead out there. I'm just a few decisions from being like him and I'm a few strokes of luck from being rich. It, we're all the same. We all just have different cards played. Wow. That was beautiful. Thank you. Artful. So we've gotten to the end of the episode. Finally, uh, we're here at the conclusions. So I'm going to hand it over to you. I don't know if you have anything specific you want to say, as uh, your concluding thoughts for just basically everything we've covered in this episode? Uh, I think it, for me, it all ties down to, on both sides, just, we need the, we need dialogue, we need to communicate, we need to welcome others in with open arms, whether we agree with them or not, because if we don't, that creates this divide that we're dealing with to this day. And I, that's an overarching theme in all of these conversations. And it only becomes more pertinent as time goes on because we're in some scary times as a civilization. And so that goes... God, what was, what was that, quote, that uh, Bible verse that I really kind of attached on? It's probably when we were talking. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, I think. Yeah. I mean, I think we need to look at life more as we're all humans on this and we're all trying to learn and figure out and we need to converse. We need to have differing opinions We need because that's what pushes knowledge and spiritual growth because I wouldn't have grown as much as I have in the past year and a half if I didn't go to all these places and talk to all these people, if I didn't move. Get outside of your little echo chamber. And because me, me and you, we have things here that we disagree on, but we talked about them. We know where each other's coming from, and I know you're not malicious. You know I'm not malicious. 
we have a love of each other as humans. And it's through that we can grow this dialogue and we can kind of together come to an end with all this. So biggest thing on both sides is don't be a dick and welcome people with open arms to talk. Don't lock yourself in your echo chamber. You learn nothing and you just push ideology for ideology's sake and you really lose the uh, grasp of it all. I, I think, I, I know it's a very overarching thing, yeah. but it's kind of where we're at as a society. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I and think do your research. Yes. Yes, definitely do your homework. I think it's one thing to be nice to someone and to accept them as a person. That's all well and good. However, it's another thing to embrace the truth for a lie. Gender dysphoria is an unfortunate mental disorder that is rooted in delusions of grandeur. And transgender ideology itself is incoherent and thwarts objective truth. For these reasons, I believe Christians should be opposed to anything coming out of this cultural movement. That doesn't mean don't have conversations with people. That doesn't mean being a dick or being overly dogmatic. But you need Uh, to know, you need to have a solid place where you can stand in a culture that is rapidly changing. And there is no stability in the ideologies of the day. I don't, I don't see stability, frankly, anywhere outside of Christianity. And if I were to pinpoint it specifically, I would say the Orthodox Church as well. Because even many, many Christian denominations today are rapidly getting swept into the waves by culture. Yeah. And, or they start breaking what they stand for. Like when you said loving someone as a human and welcoming them to discuss that wasn't really there in the churches we grew up in, at least in the area that we grew up in where I feel with the churches that some of the churches that we visited, they wouldn't, it wouldn't make you any different if you were gay, trans, white, black, Hispanic, whatever you may be, they'd welcome you in with open arms to have that discussion. Also, if if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Because a lot of people will take the disagreeing, and standing for something as a right to be a dick. Right. Which there's a there's a fine line between holding fast to what you believe and being pharisaic. Yeah. So for example, and, you, what, kind of what you were talking about like some places are more accepting of people than others. Um th- this isn't exactly a one-to-one comparison, but this morning I visited my church, I was it's an Orthodox church. Um, I have a friend who's becoming Catholic. And so after the service, we were talking and the priest came up and was speaking with us. Cause I mean, you know, he just likes to talk to people and there wasn't a ton of people around, but he was, he was just asking us like, you know, are you guys joining the church? And I kind of explained my situation and my friend goes, I'm not trying to cause a scandal, but I'm becoming Catholic. <laughs> 
And so they had to talk about it, and the priest was kind to him, and he didn't push him away. He said, God bless you, and, you know, there there wasn't any resentment. And so it's not exactly a one-to-one comparison to transgenderism, for example. But yeah. these, but even- the, I mean, these these church groups really, really disagree with one another. And yet there was a conciliar conversation that was able to be had without tearing each other's throats out. And I think that's something we need to work on in society. And and uh, the first place we need to work on is ourselves. I need to work on this more than anyone else. And that's, that's really all I have to say on the issue. And I mean, that's like, uh, when David tagged along as the atheist during the interviews, they welcomed him into the church with open arms just as they welcomed us. They didn't they didn't have to. They could have said, no, nah, we don't want this guy. It probably would have changed the outcome. But right. They still welcomed him in to have this to discuss this stuff, have this conversation. And that's that is uh you get more showing grace towards another man than you do showing hate. And that's kind of why I fell out of the church circles I originally was in and why you kind of, on top of other issues, because there's a lot. There's a whole bunch. Yeah, we've got a whole podcast about it. But uh, that's why you kind of grew spiritually into where you are. And they accepted you transitioning and doing all that where where we're from that's not common right yeah any more any more thoughts i don't think so i think we have covered everything i think we've talked about a lot i feel like we have a trend ending these episodes we end up very wholesome surprisingly like i mean considering the topics that we're talking about and how much we disagree we get very wholesome towards the end of the episode yeah man we got we got love for (laughs) we got love for people love for each other i mean yeah you don't go through a journey like this and not hopefully come out a better person, no matter what it ends up being. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, do you have any other, any other final thoughts? Nah, show some love to people, have these discussions, you know, what we've been saying this whole time. Yeah. And don't be a dick. All right, well, before we wrap up, um, there's a new feature on Spotify to review podcasts, so give us five-star ratings, please. It will help our egos. We were talking about, actually, maybe don't give us five-star ratings. It'll inflate our egos. Give us an an honest review. Yeah. Critique us. Send us questions. Send us things we could do better. Yeah, we've only got a personal growth. We've only got a few more episodes left in the show, so you might as well enjoy it and participate while you can. Because, you know, a month or so from now, we're going to be gone. That's it. That's it. The plug's full. Pulling the plug. I'm off the face of the internet. Yep. The only thing I'll have is for jobs and the occasional Reddit. Yeah. Playing my video games. Yeah. But yeah. Review us. Tell us what you think. Tell us how you feel. If I'm a piece of shit, let me know. Yeah. Yeah. All the spread above. some positivity, some love, whatever, uh, whatever you f- you feel in them them reviews. Follow us on uh, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Those awful social media that I'm not even on. Uh, at facing the gates 
I will see if you guys uh, post to the social media and I'll, I'll respond to you. I just don't get on the app unless somebody sends me something. So, um, yeah, we don't have personal ones anymore. It's just straight business here. Yeah. I mean, I have a personal one. I just haven't gotten on it in like two months. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, that's it. Uh, comments, questions, concerns, shoot them over to facing the gates pod at gmail.com. We've got a Q and a episode coming up very, very soon. And uh, if you don't send them right now, they probably won't be answered. So you got to do it. Um, and that's about it. I think it's been real. I think it's been fun. I think it's been real fun. And hopefully we can have our third co-host back next week. Yeah, hopefully. So uh, that's it. Bye. Bye. See ya.